Hello there. Welcome to the Beloved Son Ministry Show, where we who were once only the prodigal children now dare believe that we really are the beloved children of the Father. This Father who has loved us with an everlasting love. So now, let us come together, yes, in all of our brokenness, and all of our woundedness, but also in all of our belovedness, to share with one another the impact God has had on our lives and the impact that He continues to have in our lives, so that our curses may become crosses and our crosses may truly become blessings. So welcome home, my beloved brothers and sisters. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Beloved Sun Ministry Show. I'm Philip, and this is Ed. And we're so happy to for you to join us this evening. Um, it, it's it's a beautiful day. You know, we've had all our rainfall the past couple of days, and it's good to really see some sun and and feel the breeze. So it's good. How's your day, Ed? It's been good. Finished classes today. Uh, calling for thunderstorms all day but it actually wound up being a gorgeous day so that was icing on the cake there yeah in fact i was just taking a, a quick walk um on the um church's campus right before we um sat down to record this and, and it's it's um it's nice and i think so tomorrow's supposed to be nice too this weekend is supposed to be gorgeous it's that, uh, at least here 70s yeah too bad i'll be working on some papers Yes, um, you know, all the finals are due on Monday, and most of mine are due on Monday. Oh, wow. So there goes my week. I'm working outside. Okay. What do you mean you're working outside? I'll take the laptop outside with me and do my finals outside. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll probably do some of that, too. But uh, yes, uh, it's just, it's way too nice. Or it's going to be way too nice. Correct. Well, anyways, let's, let's not bore these people with, with, with the weather. Um, <laughs> let's tell them... A little bit about ourselves and about about um, who we are and and what we're doing. So, do you want to start? Sure. So, I'm Ed, as we have already established. I am a seminarian. I'm Phil's sweet mate, and uh, I have been this past year. It's been my first year in the seminary, so Phil made that interesting for me. We'll see what happens. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was, um, it was almost one of those cliche things because everybody always asks, like, you know, why'd you go into the seminary? For me, it was just one of those cliche stories where it's, I just felt a conviction. I felt a, a pull. Um, and the best way I can relate it to people, in my opinion, is, um, granted, I didn't have to listen to that conviction. I didn't have to listen to that feeling. But I kind of related as if I was looking out the window and I saw somebody get hit by a car. I wouldn't have to go out and help them, but I would just feel that strong conviction like that. You know what's right. You know you know you have to do it. Uh, that's, that's the best way I can try to fathom it. Um, because, and as, as Phil already knows before this, I had no intent on the priesthood whatsoever. So that was one of God's curveballs that I got tossed. And uh, 
yeah and so that brings me here with um with phil yeah. do you mind telling us just a tiny not not the entire thing but just a tiny bit of your story because we want to gradually um tell the folks about our story and how we got to where we are but just a, a, a tiny bit yeah so essentially i used to work as a security manager and um at that time i was just figuring out what my career was going to be i was aiming for corporate security and uh you know also at that but at that period in my life i was looking to settle down and find somebody and one day i was watching tv and the random the absolutely random thought of the priesthood came to my mind which i've never thought of before so i shrugged that off a couple times kept coming back so naturally I started looking at, you know, the most basic things. What is a seminary? What's the requirements to be a priest? And then uh, I was at home one night flipping through the channels and I came across EWTN. Mind you, I've had this cable company for three or four years at that point, And I never ran across EWTN, but I saw a daily mass was on. So figured I'd watch it. And the first commercial that struck was a, the first commercial that came up was a priest that said, are you discerning a vocation to the priesthood or religious life? And I was like, wow, uh, yeah. So, you know, it said to go on this website and, and take this test. And I kind of do regret doing that because I'm still getting all these emails to try to join all these orders. Maybe that's for some people, but it's not for me. Um, Anyway, so I, I forget what the name of the order was, but an order from New York had reached out to me. And again, at the time, I had no idea what I was doing. So he's like, hey, you know, let's sit down and meet. He's like, we can use your home parish if you want. So I called my parish and they said to me, they're like, why don't you just talk to Trenton's vocation director? I was like, that's because I didn't know we had one. I really don't know what I'm doing. Now, pause, pause real quick. Now, for those of us who may not know what is EWTN or what is a vocation, let's 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 break it down first because maybe there are some folks here who are not Catholic. So, so EWTN is I think is it Eternal Word or Eternal World? Eternal Word. Eternal Word Television Network. Network, <laughs> which which showcases like a, a a wide range of of Catholic programming, and and I guess even um yeah all types of of christian and, and catholic themed shows and and um and prayer so so that's ewtn for for those of us who may not know what it stands for and it's it, it usually comes with any cable, cable packages i think yes files all that should have it so so if you haven't heard of it you have now and you know go online and type in ewtn and find out what channel it, it is on your listing and check it out because from what we've been hearing that's how ed got into this mess yes, <laughs> not, a yes. mess. not a bad mess but a good <laughs> mess but i'll let ed continue um and then just real briefly for uh the vocation director um i know a lot of people think and i mean a vocation director's main job i would say is obviously to on his end to discern whether you're a candidate um at least to enter into the seminary but um you know when you think about a vocation that, that's a very that that term that word covers vocations 
Uh, granted, I don't think you would go to one of them though and be like, hey, am I supposed to be married? But um, I mean, essentially they are who is going to, they're going to see if this is a legitimate um, calling or a legitimate um, movement that you're making and not just a quick phase that's going to fizzle out because as Phil knows, it is a very long mess of a ordeal to get in to the seminary. I mean, the amount of paperwork I filled out. Anyway, I retract. So I was like, I didn't even know we had a vocation director. So they um, got me, I got in touch with Trenton's vocation director and we sat down just pretty much like an introduction, asked me some questions and uh, gave me the book to save a thousand souls. I forget who it's by. Um, and he said, he's like, just read this, read this, like read it thoroughly. I'm like, okay. Uh, so I started reading it and just every chapter, because to save a thousand souls is essentially telling you what a priest does, like what you'll experience as a priest. Um, and then even the later chapters touch a little bit of the seminary. Um, though I got to say that was completely wrong, but, uh, so I read the book and just every chapter I read about the priesthood, I just felt a stronger and stronger conviction that the seminary, at least at this point in my life, is where I'm supposed to go. Um, granted, the priesthood, that's, that's still a discernment and a big misconception that people have is most people think when you're in the seminary, that's it. You're, you're a mini priest and you're just mm-hmm. waiting your time. But it, it's really not. It's just okay. a discernment process that ranges in America, at least six to eight years. I know other countries um, exceed that. Or even like the diocese, the archdiocese of Philadelphia, I think is nine years. Correct. For those of them who are coming right out of high school, it's nine years. Because in in addition to the the basic four years of undergrad and four years of graduate, there is a spiritual year in between. So, So, um, yes, the more I read that book, uh, the more I felt the conviction and chapter three said that it's a really good idea to get a spiritual director. Um, and a spiritual director is simply somebody who, as it sounds, guides you spiritually, but that's not just for the priesthood. I know people that aren't discerning priesthood that do have a spiritual director though. Um, it's just, you know, it, it keeps you grounded in your spiritual life. Anyway, long story short, met with him. And then, uh, what was it, a year and a half, two years later of going through the process, uh, yeah, I was at the seminary, and I ran into Phil, and that's where we're at. So there, there's my story in short form. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's very, um, I, I guess for all, for all that, for all the guys who are in seminary, I think there is some some common elements of um, of, of of how we got there, and and it's always about that that calling, that pull, that sort of like an um, an unfulfilled desire, if you will, or you know, as you know, like not wanting to live with that, you know, what if, and and I well. It, I can only speak to myself, I mean, speak for myself and for those perhaps who may have, like Ed and myself, who have worked, you know, in the 
in the world and, and not having come in straight from high school. But, um, well, you know, thank you, Ed, for sharing her, just that, that little part of your story with us. Um, and we'll take a quick, a quick break. And then when we come back, um, I'll share a little bit of my story. But in the meantime, um, we'll take a quick break and just to, to grab some water or something like that. And then, um, and then we'll continue with our show. Um, any, any words before we, we uh, take a break, Ed? Uh, just something real quick to think on, just because I know that that was so geared towards priesthood. But I mean, you can really relate that conviction or that feel or that pull to marriage when you just know you're supposed to propose to that person, you know? And uh, that, that's the best way to relate it. You, you know, you know, that's not just something that comes out of nowhere. You just get a conviction like this is the person that I could see myself marrying. So um, I would say the convictions are somewhat similar. Okay. All right. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Right. Welcome back. I I I I really like that little tune. <laughs> it, I don't know. It, it just makes me makes me happy. I was uh, bopping my head to it. What's that? I was bopping my head to it. Yeah, it's good. But all right. So we left off with Ed's um, little story, and you know, as as Ed was talking about his story, I I was you know just thinking about my own um, for a little bit. And recently, I've been watching a very old show, and and I'm probably dating myself, but um, the show is called Family Matters. Great show, and um, you know it, and it's a show that is very family oriented, where you know the father um, and the mother always seems to be teaching a lesson to um, to the children and. And I, you know, I was just sitting in my room just right before here and it was, it, it was an episode about the father sort of pushing his dreams on the son and wanting him to be a basketball player when, he, when, when the son himself really didn't want to because he wasn't happy doing it. And he didn't understand un, until his wife Harriet, you know, talked some sense into him, and 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 then he, towards the end of the episode, he sat down with his son Eddie, and and he apologized for pushing his dreams onto his son, and you know that that made me want a family again. It yes. I, I watched, you know, it 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 it, 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 it in me again the the desire that. Of, of, of having a family, which, you know, which doesn't stop once, you, you know, even though we're in seminary, even after you're ordained, the desire to want a family um, doesn't change because, you know, as priests, we're called to be spiritual fathers. And if we don't really have that desire to be a father, 
then you know priest will tell us and then you're not in the right place you know because because any priests who are to be ordained or who have been ordained are are men who who could be potentially good fathers and if you're not then you're probably not fit for the priesthood either so and if and, and you know you can, you can ask any priest if they still have a you know have would they want a wife and family and and and, and those whom i have asked said yes you know they they do but but they see this you know as as you know this is where god has called them to be this is where god has called them to to serve his people in, in a very special way but you know that's that was what was going on going through my, my mind when i was watching the show and when you were talking about um, um settling down and so so my story you know that that's that's a part of my story is, is, is that you know, there's still this ongoing desire of of running a family and i don't think that will ever go away but it's just whether how i come to process that and and how i bring that into whatever ministry god has in store for me um and so like ed i i worked before i entered seminary you know i, I went to um college went to graduate school and then worked for a bit i um i worked in education as well as in the mental health field and also in the healthcare a little bit, working with um, brain injured individuals because my um, my specialty was in neuroscience, um, as well as in psychology. But um, you know, I I was really happy. You know, I found a lot of fulfillment in 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 those fields of work, and even to this day, I'm still very much connected with some of the. The families whom I worked with, some of the parents, some some of the students, you know, and um, even even some of some of the patients um, who has since passed, but their family, you know, I, I I just got a card, you know, two weeks ago from a family, an Easter card, um, and so 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 God has blessed me, and and I'm very grateful to Him for all the experiences that I was able to experience, you know, and all the families and all the people. But, you know, even though I was happy, I was joyful, there was a peace, I, it, something was missing. And, and I didn't know why, because, you know, I was doing something that I enjoyed. You know, I was teaching, I was helping people with their um, difficulties, I was helping families. And so I was like, you know, Lord, this is, this, you know i'm doing good for you right i'm doing good work for you i'm helping people i'm teaching people about the faith and all these other things you know what what else could you possibly want and and then the holy spirit you know brought me back to a place in in my childhood when when the when the priesthood was very attractive to me you know um but i won't get into that this time we'll get into that next time about my childhood because I, I wasn't born and raised Catholic. In fact, I'm a convert. And, um, but, but that'll be for next time. And so, you know, bringing back to, to the, you know, more recent times. So, so, you know, I was, you know, I was happy, you know, I had a good job. I, I had good friends. I, you know, had a good, you know, living situation. I, things, things were going well, you know, and, but, but yet there's still this, you know, as 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 Ed mentioned, there's this pulling. For me, it's it's more of a tugging, like sort of um, like um, 
you know you need to do this, but you're just trying to avoid it because you're afraid of what that might be. And and so I, I you know, I begin to pray, you know, and, and if you read the um the the prodigal son part of our website, I mentioned this in there, you know. I haven't always prayed because I really didn't know what prayer was. Even though I went to Catholic school, you know, I thought prayer was just simply, you know, the, the Lord's prayer, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the, the Glory be, the Rosary. It, it, in my mind, the prayer was, prayer was simply just a memorization of words. In fact, I didn't even really know that, that the Mass was a prayer. Um, but, but yet, I, you know, I, whenever I, whenever I started feeling that that's hugging again, you know, I began to really say, you know, Lord, you know, what is it that you're trying to tell me? And I didn't know that, that was a prayer, right? And so if you read in that little paragraph, I said, I simply said, what do you think, Lord? What do you think about it? Because, it, and, and, and that in itself is a prayer. And I didn't know that at the time, that that, that prayer isn't um, just paragraphs or sentences or phrases of words that were written by people years ago, but in fact, prayer is a very dynamic thing. Prayer is is a living thing. It's a breathing thing. It is your personal encounter, your personal relationship with God. And I didn't know that, you know. And and now, you know, my prayer life is is so much different because um, I'm able to see that I don't need to just pray. You know when i'm doing the rosary but in fact i can pray and talk to god wherever i go and i guess that's that was one of the graces that god has given to me through my discernment and 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 and, and through seminary is 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 learning how to pray because you know as it says in the, in the scriptures we do not know how to pray as we ought um but so now going back to the that moment of, of when i you know really you know made that commitment was you know, I, I, I called up the, the vocations director for Philadelphia and, you know, he, you know, I, I went for a retreat and towards the end, he's like, okay, so, you know, what are your thoughts? I said, well, you know, I, I, um, I, I really think this is for me, but I can't do it now because, you know, I, I, I got to take care of my mom. I got to do this. I got to do that. And. And the father was just like, you know, um, so he shared his story with me for a bit. And, and then he just invented me. He said, you know, you know, now you just got to take the leap of faith, you know, take the leap of faith and, and see where God leads you, you know, and, and I did, <laughs> I, you know, I took the leap of faith and, and here I am, you know, three years later, you know, in, in three or four years, because I think that was. Um, but however long it was, you know, here I am and, and God willing in a couple of years, I'll be ordained if, if, if this is God's will and if, if the people, um, agree that it is. And so, so it's, it's, it's been a journey of, of, you know, discernment in my mind is not really, um, about what I can do for God or what I can do for, you know, someone else but in fact I, to me you know discernment 
was what God is doing for me. Because discernment, you know, at least through my my time so far is, you know, my discernment is 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 God teaching me, God showing me things about myself that that I did I didn't know about. And so so yeah, so that's a little bit about my story, um, about um how I got into seminary and a little bit about my history. Um, but but yeah, so 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 that's that's that for now. And then maybe next time we'll talk a little bit more about our our stories. But yeah. Any thoughts, Ed? Um, just a very quick one on what you said about when you were at the retreat and you said, you know, I think this is for me, you know, just not right now. And uh, we see that in the gospel of Matthew when Jesus calls and the person says, well, let, let, let me go bury the dead first. And, you know, mm -hmm. there's always that, let me go do this first and then I'll follow you. Um, so it's just, I found it interesting that you kind of uh, are a living example of that part in Matthew. I think it's 8.22, I think. Yeah, I mean, we, we come up with all kinds of excuses if we wanted to, you know, and and until we, we take the leap of faith, there won't be much peace in our hearts. And and I can tell the folks that that when I said okay and when I said that, you know, I felt a deep sense of peace and and and, and joy. And this peace of joy isn't, you know, yeah, you know, I get to do all these new things, but but that you know, knowing that it's going to be difficult. Because going from working and being the breadwinner, being being the one that that take care of everyone, to now being back in school, you know, it's it was it was a really really interesting transition for me because it's sort of like you know God is trying to humble me, right? You know, because and and it wasn't easy at first, and to some extent it's still it's still not easy now, but 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 I think it, you know God's continuing to work in His work in my life and, and and sending me people in my life to help me with that but um i don't know about you ed but 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 that's how it's been for me in terms of, of that that transition from from working to, to it, it was definitely a difficult transition uh, just similar to what you said uh going for what x amount of years of getting a paycheck every week or every other week and pretty much knowing your financial limit and getting what you want when you needed it to no more income. And that, that was the biggest thing for me to go from this income to no income. Uh, granted, you know, we're blessed that we get some support, but uh, it's just a much, I, I pretty much had to rearrange my finances and, and refinance things. And it was difficult and there are still difficult moments, and, you know, especially around that Christmas season when you got to start buying people everything. Um, it just, it takes some strategic financial planning. Um, and, and I think you agree with me too, that it is quite amazing that once we surrender to God's will, how much he really provides oh, absolutely. for people. I would have never have guessed that I'd be able to, not work and you know go to school and still have everything taken care of. I I would have never imagined that. 
you when you submit to God, it really uh, you really begin to see that everything will work out. But unfortunately, as human beings, we are not really wired to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want to take control of the situations and control our own destiny. So it's very hard and I'm not going to sit here and say I have it figured out because it's a constant battle of me trying to do it my way and sitting back and trusting. And I think I think that's a daily battle that you recommit yourself to every day when you wake up. Yeah. And, and, and I think one of the, um, one of the major fears or, or, or hesitations was, am I not going to be happy doing this? Am I not going to be fulfilled or happy or joyful um, being a priest? You know, cause you know, that's what you think of being a priest or, you know, you can't get married and, and all this stuff. And so I went out to dinner with a priest buddy of mine when I was, you know, actively discerning before seminary and when I told him all this he said so Philip you're telling me that you think that God's plan for you is to not be joyful and that stopped me in my tracks because if I felt this was God's calling for me will I do I believe that God will have a plan for me that makes me miserable and I, I guess I never thought of it that way, that if this is God's plan, then it's, that it's going to be full of joy and peace. But, but I, I, I guess I wasn't there yet when, when Tom and I had that, that conversation. And so, but yeah. It's understandable because we're, we're hardwired to be, to come together with somebody else, you know, especially in marriage. That's, a very natural thing so you're almost going against nature which is why if somebody is called to the priesthood it is it's a grace because mm-hmm. nobody could do it on their own um, but you know marriage yeah. has its sacrifices just like the priesthood does mm-hmm. any and vocation think, has a sacrifice and i think uh, the priesthood i think it's it might be um i read somewhere that it's sort of on the supernatural calling because because it's 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 something that that we really need some extraordinary graces to be able to um to to be able to really immerse ourselves into but all right um shall we should we take a quick break sure all right so we'll be right back just give us a minute Thank you for, um, for sticking with us. Um, so now um, we want to talk a little bit about um, this this beloved son ministry thing. You know why why beloved son? And um, as you may have heard Ed talk briefly about it 
at the um, at the launching, um, as well as if you have read the little the, the little blurb under the books, um, the return of the prodigal son has been very impactful on my life. You know the 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 parable of the prodigal son, and in, in fact, I you know, I would dare say is is really the foundation of of my spirituality is 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 um, is being the prodigal, um, and and we are we are the prodigal son, we are the prodigal daughter because there have been and there will be times in our life in our lives that we will go away that we, we will fall away from whatever it is that we're called to do. You know, it's 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 sin and and it's it's human fear and human, you know, tendency. But but yet in, in that parable, the son, you know, he went out, he got his inheritance, he went out and he spent it on a life of, you know, the, the, the pastor says a life of dissipation and you know, gambling and probably prostitute and, and all that fun stuff. And then he used up all his money. And there was a famine. There was no food. So he hired himself out and he worked, you know, tending the pigs. And I and I think for a Jewish man, tending tending the pigs is pretty low because you don't even touch pigs. And 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 so they and so he, you know, basically he got fed up, you know, you know, we're told that he he yearned for to 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 have a spill of the pods where the pigs were feeding, but no one gave him any. So even he couldn't even get the pigs' food. And and then he came to came to his senses. He's he, he's like, what am I doing? My father has so many workers in his house, and and even they have much more than they can ever need. And yet I'm trying to fight with the pigs who get food and 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 so it he finally came to the senses that he didn't belong there and so he came up you know with a story and wasn't to go back and you know tell tell, tell father that that he sinned against him and against heaven and, and and all that so he had all this long speech all prepared out and then he and then he started to walk back and the father was told was 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 always looking from afar from a distance waiting for this son to come back and when he saw the sign you know, of to head towards the the town dad didn't wait he ran out and he went and, and he embraced him he kissed him and when the son said you know dad i'm sorry he cut him off he, he said i don't really care about that i don't really care where what you've done and where you've gone how long you've been away you're home and that's it that's it that that's all i care about is that you're home now and I think for many of us, we don't really get there. I know I can I can only speak for myself in my life that I haven't really made that step all the time to walk back to the Father because of my shame. You know, we may have done things that we're embarrassed, we're shameful of. You know, and it, it doesn't have to be very big, you know, egregious crimes, but it could be like something that is within ourselves that, that we're quite shameful about. And, and so we may stay away for a long time. 
But, you know, living in shame is such a, a terrible, you know, experience because you, you feel so bad about yourself. I know I did, you know, I, I, you know, I, I felt, you know, that I'm not worthy, I'm not deserving. And so why would, you know, this father want me back when I, I ditched him, when, you know, when things were going well, I didn't even remember him. Why would he want me back? But you see, that's how we as men and women think. But God doesn't think that way. And what our Lord was trying to show us in that parable is that God's not like us. God is so much better, right? God, God is forgiveness itself. He is mercy. He is compassion. He is love. He is being. He is life itself. And, you know, like the father in, in, in the parable, he doesn't care, you know, how, how long we've been away. What matters to him most is, is, is that at the present moment, we're with him. And when I came to realize that, because I have never been a frequent um, penitent. I've never, you know, make confession a, 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 a habit of, of mine. Because to me, I, I, I knew I had to go to confession, but, but it wasn't something that was regular for me. Because, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know why. Um, maybe it wasn't emphasized or stressed. Um, and so, but I mean, I would, you know, for, you know, I, I would, go to mass on Sundays, but sometimes I'll go on Saturdays for a good amount of time. I, I went on Saturday evening, so I could sleep in on Sunday and do my grocery shopping on Sundays. But, but you know, and, and I, you know, I didn't really make confession a good part of my spiritual life because I, I didn't think it was that important. Um, but then, I don't know, you know, and, and at, at, at this woman right now, I can't pinpoint exactly when and where, but I'm sure it'll come to me in the, in, in the coming days. But, but then, you know, I don't know when I made that transition of being with the pigs in, in the dirt to really walking back towards my father's house as the prodigal son did. And, you know, this beloved son ministry is not saying that I've got all figured out, but that knowing that I am the prodigal son, I am, I, I still am. But what's different now is that I know I am a prodigal son, but I also know that I am the I am a beloved son. That it is in now looking back and seeing my, so to speak, my prodigalness. Am I able to see my belovedness? And that's all, all grace, all a gift from, from God that, that, you know, just because 
I go to confession just because I'm a seminarian, just because you know, God willing, I become a priest. That doesn't that doesn't that doesn't make me not a prodigal son anymore. I will still be the prodigal son because I am still a sinner. But what makes the difference again is that despite knowing that I'm a prodigal son, I now know and I need to believe and I, and I need to continue to live knowing that I'm also a beloved son of the Father. And that is why it is called beloved son ministry because no matter where we are, what we've done, we are the prodigal, but we're also the beloved son. And that's why in the beginning of the segment, in the intro music, you will hear that we come together, yes, in our brokenness and in our woundedness, but also in our belovedness. And so that is sort of what is behind um, the naming of, of, of this ministry. I've, I've talked enough, um, Ed. I think you said everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, no. <laughs> what I find unique, um, and, and that's why I have before, and I'll thank you again for allowing me to be a contributor with this, is, um, you know, this isn't geared towards one faith. And, and I'm not saying that any website that does gear their stuff towards a specific faith is wrong because it's not a ton of valuable sources but this is just open to people of all faiths people all people need god and all people can come to this site to watch these videos um to listen to view our resources they come and they can realize that like you said they're not alone in being that prodigal child and that they can take that step and that trust that when they walk back to the father they'll be greeted with open arms because they are beloved and you know i pray that this, whether it be the podcast whether it be the articles the blogs whatever i just pray that some part of this ministry will help people in that because as human beings, we're all here to help each other. And uh, if this can be a tool that God himself can utilize to work in somebody's life, you know, I'll tell you right now, if I can hear one, one person say that this site has, or any, you know, any part of this ministry has brought them back to God and made them realize that they're beloved, then I'm happier than I could be. I'm just thrilled. That's, it, it would all be worth it at that point so and 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 that person might even be ourselves yeah right <laughs> maybe i'll yeah. have my own testimony uh testimony in a month or two this you know this could just be god's way of saying okay do you see how much i love you do you you know you say you do but do you really know it in in, in a deep sense and now I'll, we'll probably save this for a different um, um, episode, but you know there is a difference between shame and guilt, right? right? Shame, shame pushes us down. Shame is what kept me away for so long. Shame is that the 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 uh, the voice of of the enemy. You know, we so for for those of you who who may be confused. The enemy is the, the, 
the name we give to the devil, right? The enemy speaks shame. Oh, you're, you know, you're worthless. You're, you're stupid. You don't deserve this. You know, if you call yourself a Christian, then how can you do that? How can you say that? That's, that's from the devil. That's, that's shame. That's saying, you know, you, why are you still here? You, you should go, you know, go do something about, about yourself. That's shame. And shame suffocates us. Now, here, here I'm saying, I'll say this for a different episode, before I just finish it with this. You know, shame, shame pushes us down. Shame suffocates us. Shame wants us to believe in the lies of, about ourselves, that we're not worthy, that we are not valuable, that we're worthless, that we're useless. That's what shame does to us. Now, that... And perhaps that's why I didn't go to the confession for so many, for so long, be, because I, one, initially it might have been, oh, you know, I, I don't want the priest who judge me. I don't want this and that. But then I think over time, it became a habit that perhaps I, I was convinced that I didn't need confession or maybe in, in my subconscious, confession just seemed like only when it's convenient. And so you see, shame can lead us to a place of, you know, indifference or apathy that, that you know, it, it is fine. But then once we get to that place, the enemy continues to work his work and, and then those, those, sleepless nights, those, those feelings of emptiness settles in and, and you begin to feel so horrible about yourself, so lonely, so depressed even that you begin to wonder all those, you know, things about your own self-worth, your dignity, that if, you know, would anyone even care about you and but see that's a work of shame god doesn't shame us the father never shames his children the father when that part of the son came crawling back he didn't say shame on you how dare you show up in my house he didn't shame him the father loved him he was compassionate and merciful. I'm not saying that perhaps the next day they had a long talk saying, look, son, you done messed up and you got to fix all these things. But that's what a father does. He doesn't punish for the sake of punishing. He doesn't shame you, but he will challenge you. He will discipline you. He And he will make sure that you learn your lesson in a way that helps us grow. And so this is where you know, guilt comes in. We have a sense of guilt because that guilt moves us to want to change. That guilt doesn't lead us to shameful thoughts. That it, should, it shouldn't lead us to a place of self-deprecation. But that guilt should be a catalyst that moves us to conversion. Because when we feel guilty, at least for me, and for guys, I think, I can speak for all guys, I think, when you feel guilty, 
you want to fix something. You do, you do you want to go and fix this, fix that, you know, make, make men's. So guilt can help us. Guilt helps move us to conversion. It helps us walk back to the father as a prodigal son did. Perhaps he felt shame for a long time. But then he felt guilty. He felt guilty for leaving his father. He felt guilty for sinning against heaven and against him. And that guilt moved him to go back home. And that guilt must, in my mind, stem from a place of love. Because, at least for me, I feel guilty. Whenever I go off on someone, or whenever I lose my temper. I've experienced it. Uh-huh. It, 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 it comes from a place because you know that one, the, whether it, it may be your mom or your sister or your friend or family member, because one, you know that they love you. And by you going off on them, you hurt them somehow and you feel bad. But it also goes the other way. If you feel guilty because you know that you care for them, but you'll know why the heck you acted in that way. So guilt moves us to conversion. So, Ed, do you have anything to? <laughs> no, I, again, I mean, covered every aspect there. It's, it's so true. Um, the only thing I was thinking of when you were speaking about shame, because I've heard a lot of people talk about it, is um, when people are stuck in a habitual sin. Um, that's a lot of the times where shame will play in uh, as far as, well, why go to confession? You, you know you're going to commit this sin again later in the week. So, so why? Why mm -hmm. are you going to go to confession? You're not worthy to go to confession. And, you know, shame, I feel like it can really, it, it's, it's like a brain ninja. It, it'll, it'll go in and it'll plant this little, this little detonator or this little bomb that is just waiting to go off. Mm -hmm. And uh, once it does, I mean, you know, I've heard stories and shame has eaten people alive just, just from these, just from not knowing, not being able to identify that it was shame. I think if you can identify that you're you're feeling shame, then you can control it. Mm -hmm. But you know, so many people think that that's God talking to them, and mm. God, God doesn't shame you. You know, He, in if if it is shame, then it's it's meant to move you to guilt and then to conversion. But 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 God doesn't will it for you to live in a state of shame, because because that's that's not Him. That, that's not him. And so, you know, for all those who are listening, you know, if, if, if any of what we just talked about, you know, sort of resonates with you, know that you are loved. That you're not loved. Okay, well, first, you know, and, and I guess we'll close with, with these thoughts. And then I'll go to Ed for some, some of his final comments too, is that know that you're loved, but the world, the world tells us that we are, that, that we must earn love, that 
we are only loved as far as what we can uh, bring to the table. That we are only loved by what compliments that we can get. That we are only loved by what we have and what we possess, or by what trophy we have, what certificate we have on our, wall, on our walls. The world tells us that we are only loved in as far as we have those things. When we don't have those things, we go into depression. We go into trying to continue to pursue these worldly things. But true love, true love can't be earned. It can't be bought. It, and, and, and it's not something that we deserve. True love is just given. You know, God loves you because you are you. Not because of how well you know how to pray, not because of how many straight A's you have, not because of what, what kind of promotion you have. God doesn't love you because of that. God loves you because he made you in his image and likeness. God loves you because he calls you his beloved. And that's it. That is the only reason why you are loved. You can't earn it. You can't win it. You can't buy it. You just need to receive it. Ed? Phil, oh, you're killing me. You kill me. You're always lining me up after you have these wonderful, wonderful preaching moments. And I'm sitting here like, oh, wow, okay. Um, you know, I, and I'm only going to say this because I've encountered so many people like this. And I don't know who's hearing this. Um, but one thing I would like to say is, especially if you're somebody who's contemplating turning to God after you have strayed from him, or if you're turning to God for the first time, uh, a common worry that needs to be put to rest seems to be religion. And which, which one, which denomination, which, which one am I going to follow? Which, which one is the right one? Don't worry about it right now. You know, just like Phil said, come to that realization that you're beloved. Um, that you're a beloved son or daughter um, and just, just focus on building a relationship with God and, and just enter into prayer. And a prayer can be as simple as saying, Jesus, I love you. Done. Uh, you know, sure. You can look up devotions. You can look up all that. And they're, they're wonderful, but I don't think there's any prayer that beats something that comes from the heart that purely speaks to God. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you want to say. So just say it. And as you, like the Bible says, if you put God first and you put the kingdom of God first, then all else will follow. So if you just put every other worry to rest and focus solely on building a relationship with God, everything is just going to fall into place for you. And, and you're going to know, and you're going to have peace with that every decision. Um, if there's one thing that I've been told and one thing I've experienced and learned is that God is not going to work through you by giving you feelings of anxiety. So if you're having an anxious feeling about 
going to this church or saying this prayer. That's not coming from God. God will not give you anxiety. Um, and like Phil said, you know, just at the end of the day, you are a beloved son or daughter, no matter what you do. And that, that's what I'll leave off on. A good point, Ed, about um, trying to find out which religion, because, you know, God doesn't love you any less if you're Catholic or non-Catholic or Muslim or atheist. You know, just because we do not love him doesn't mean he'll stop loving us. God, God's love and, and, and we, just, we just need to want to receive it at any moment. Even if we find ourselves in the middle of doing something that we're not supposed to do. If we say, Father, I know you love me. Please take me back. Done. You have his love. Because you allowed him to enter. You need to receive it. And so, hopefully, um, you enjoyed this, um, this rant <laughs> of, of mine, at least, you know, Ed, Ed didn't rant. Ed gave lots of good points, but I know I, I, I rant. But um, um, for next time, um, we will talk briefly about, you know, in, 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 in this pandemic, there are lots of quarantine and self-isolation. And we want to talk a little bit about isolation and quarantine, but also solitude and, and how the wording of certain things may give off an impression of something that really isn't um, the case. So until next time, please remember that the Father says to you every day, you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter, and with you, I am well pleased. Take care and God bless.